You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. As we are at the end of the week, it has been another busy one, hasn't it? Tennessee has a new head coach, Josh Heupel. I have a few coaching updates to get to here to begin the show. And then I'm going to talk to Stephen Godfrey of BannerSociety.com. We're going to talk about how Tennessee landed on Josh Heupel, the process that Danny White went through, the search that he conducted. It landed on his coach at UCF. We'll talk about what Josh Heupel is facing, what he needs to do to succeed. The word that fans don't necessarily enjoy hearing, patience, is going to come up. I'll go ahead and tell you that ahead of time here on today's show. That's coming up over the next couple of segments. And then in segment number three, I'm going to talk to Grant Ramey from GoBalls247.com as Tennessee's basketball team has a big game on Saturday against Kansas. So we are loaded up today. It's going to be another busy one, as there is a lot that continues to go on with Tennessee football. And before we get to Stephen Godfrey from Banner Society, I do want to run through a few notes as the main objectives, I think, right now for Josh Heupel as he gets acclimated and starts the process at Tennessee. Number one is putting his coaching staff together, and it looks like his offensive staff will be mainly, perhaps entirely, made up of coaches from UCF including guys he had just hired to join him at UCF, will now likely be coming to Tennessee with him. I don't think his offensive staff is that big of a deal. On Thursday's show, Dave Bartu was talking about Jeff Levy. There was a lot of Jeff Levy talk, and maybe that still works out. If it doesn't, and there was some real question on Thursday about that, Josh Heupel's the offensive coach. He's the guy that's going to be running the show there, and I would expect Tennessee to be fine. We'll spend more time once that side is officially put together, but it looks like it's mainly perhaps all going to be UCF coaches on the offensive side. Let's see what happens on the defensive side. Let's see who's running the defense, who's the coordinator, what kind of recruiters do you have, what kind of developers do you have on the defensive side. Does Josh Heupel go young, up and coming? That perhaps is the indication right now. I don't know anybody that expects it to be Kevin Steele. Right now the talk is how much would Tennessee have to pay Kevin Steele to go away as at his entire contract for never having actually coached a game at Tennessee. A couple of other notes. Jay Graham is headed to Alabama, so we continue to monitor where coaches are leaving Tennessee. Jay Graham is reportedly headed to Alabama. And Jeremy Pruitt is actually joining the New York Giants, it looks like. On Thursday's show, I mentioned the report that he would be headed to the Jets. Looks like he'll be joining Joe Judge's staff. Joe Judge has a connection to Alabama. Derek Dooley, remember, is on the Giants staff. So you could have two former Tennessee coaches there with the New York Giants. The other big objective for Josh Heupel already would be the recruiting trail. And he has no doubt started reaching out to recruits, especially in the 2022 class, especially in-state. I think that conversation starts with Ty Simpson, the very talented quarterback from Martin, Tennessee. And remember, signing day for the second signing period is coming up next Wednesday. So we'll see if anything develops there as Tennessee might try to add some players to the class to find some help coming in. Of course, Tennessee could look to add transfers. So there are a couple of notes on what Josh Heupel is doing right now here in the first couple of days on the job at Tennessee. How about how he landed the job at Tennessee? What the process was like over the last week or so for Danny White? I want to welcome to the show Stephen Godfrey, who you can read at BannerSociety.com. He's on Twitter at 38Godfrey. Stephen, appreciate the time as always. If you want to go back through how the last week and a half, two weeks have gone for Tennessee, if you want to start with the hiring of Danny White and then Josh Heupel as coach, how things got to where we are now? Well, it's it's really funny because like I think what we're left with are two very uh i mean i guess conflicting stories or two sort of like 
these two events don't match. And because of causation, hiring Danny White, this is kind of the last thing I expected Tennessee to end up with in terms of hiring a football coach. So um, that, that does mean, I think, highly of White as an athletic director. He's very aggressive. He's a shark. Um, this is radio, so I can't, I can't uh, recite exactly what I said on Twitter when the hire was, was made official. But Danny is, had built a reputation on being fearless, on being aggressive and cutthroat, on you know, manipulating media in, in a way that's good for ADs, in a way that's, you know, um, that benefits these power universities in the Southeastern Conference. And then um, he sets about, you know, as near as far as we can tell, and I've been told this by countless people and I'm not alone. Pretty much every other college football reporter in the nation was told that, you know, he, he set out to make a big swing to land a big hire. And instead he ends up with, you know, what might be, you know, at best his, his backups, backups, backup and, and hires the guy that he just had on staff at UCF. It's very strange that these two things happened consecutively in Knoxville. So how did it get to that point with the plan to go swing big and, and bring a big name and he ends up with Josh Heupel? How did it get to that point this week? I think it, it, maybe it's a microcosm of what Tennessee faces and what Tennessee is still reckoning with, which is that it's a SEC program. It has a healthy budget. It has a brand. It has a legacy. It has a national title. Years back, we discussed last time I was on the show, but it is ex- the reputation is extremely battered. And I think that the top end candidates, I mean, so I kind of broke this out on Monday and we were were recording this on Thursday. um, On Monday, I wrote that, you know, if you look at the coaching market, like the NFL draft, the best available, you, 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 you draft for need or you have the best available player, right? Some programs will, will, will hire the best available coach or they will try and find one that fits the parameters specifically that they're looking for. This was more of a best available situation. What Danny White set out to do was essentially create a home run hire by poaching a sitting head coach and in doing so, creating enough goodwill and enough energy to get Tennessee over the next couple of years because they're probably going to be facing a valley from the NCAA. You still with me? Does that make sense, right? Sure. Okay. From there, I think what Danny discovered is something that a lot of people have said nicely, meanly, you know, critically. Uh, I've tried to say it in as sober a, a way as possible to, to Tennessee fans, which is that the reputation of the school in the spring has suffered to a degree that I, I don't know if Tennessee fans themselves understand. And so what he found was that the top-level best available coaches, I think everybody agrees in the country right now, is some combination of Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, Matt Campbell at, at Iowa State, and Billy Napier at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, of those, Napier would have been the fit for Tennessee. Obviously, he's born in Cookville. He grew up in, I think it was Chatworth, Georgia, just right across the line south of Chattanooga. Um, you know, he has, so he has familial ties there. He has SEC ties, if you don't know. Uh, Napier is a play caller. Obviously, he's built a very successful program at Louisiana, but he was recruited an offensive coach under Nick Saban. Um, it all kind of made sense that Napier would be a guy. <clears throat> this fizzled the same way that Napier and Auburn fizzled, the same way Napier and South Carolina fizzled, and, and on and on we go. Um, Fickle and Campbell were never options, and the hiring of White did not change that. That's just the reality. If you're a Tennessee fan, I wouldn't take that part too personally because they have rebuked a lot of programs. I think those two gentlemen have a very short list of where they would like to go next. 
so then it was kind of onto a phase of, you know, like the James Franklin conversation. I don't know how much you guys discussed that on the air, but it was, that was sort of the, the next kind of target, which was let's poach a sitting successful P5 head coach to come in here. And the thing, when you look at like a Franklin archetype specifically is that he's boisterous. He's big. Tennessee fans remember him because he was such a thorn and a needle when he was at Vanderbilt. And I live in Nashville and I live right next to Vanderbilt. And I remember, I mean, I don't know if people in Knoxville know this, but like James Franklin used to call into the radio stations. Sure. And I don't mean like to do a weekly segment. I mean, literally they'd be like, Hey, uh, you know, next up caller, we got James and in, in, on West end. That was James Franklin. He would do that because he felt like local radio was not talking enough about Vanderbilt. He was that kind of psychopath in a good way. The idea being that Franklin would be able to create enough pub, you know, PR momentum to carry Tennessee through or a Franklin, Franklin like candidate. Okay. So yes, there was interesting communication with James Franklin specifically. And then also uh, there was sort of a category built there of those type of, of candidates of which they're not a lot. Um, for, you know, specifics I don't have yet, you know, these things kind of come out with time as people get talking and, you know, maybe post COVID everybody gets together again in our industry and starts sharing information, but it didn't work out. Um, that to me is not inherently surprising either. I mean, J James Franklin specifically, if talking about him, he makes north of $7 million a year with incentives at Penn State. Penn State is able to, although they're on the harder side of the, the Big Ten, they're able to push for a playoff appearance, right? They've won the Big Ten before under Franklin. Obviously, they have the, you know, the, the, the gorilla in Ohio State, but it's a good job. Uh, I don't think he'll be there forever. I think that you'll see his name resurface again if USC fires Clay Helton. But that didn't work out. What is, so we get to this kind of third phase, and this is where I'm a little shocked. When I heard that Franklin specifically and those caliber of candidates weren't necessarily working out, my assumption was that White was then going to play kingmaker and sort of find a coach the way that he quote-unquote found Lance Leifold at Buffalo and the way he quote-unquote, I wouldn't say he found Scott Frost if Scott Frost was coming off of OCing Oregon in the playoff in the national title game. But he pulled big assistants, big G5 coaches. Lance Leifold was like, I think, D, I think Wisconsin Whitewater is like D2 or D3. My, my point is I thought he was going to be a kingmaker again, and it was going to be this like obvious rising star candidate. Josh Heupel is not that. Josh, Josh Heupel was not his first choice to replace Scott Frost at Central Florida. That's a fact, and it, it's one of those things that Danny can obviously debate in public. Um, but Josh Heupel was not the number one target when Frost went to Nebraska. So what that tells me in this instance at Tennessee at a Southeastern Conference school is that he was obviously not the choice here either. And then the last thing, sort of the final phase of this, where I really begin to scratch my head, is that Danny – himself gets up at this press conference and goes with a a narrative that I just to me feels like an unforced error. I think everybody understands the situation in Knoxville and Danny got a pretty strong and bitter taste of it right up front because he tried to make this hire and it didn't work out exactly how he thought. He doubled down on what on 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 this idea that Josh Heupel was the only coach we offered. I mean it is splitting hairs and that technically these coaches are not offered. I understand that. But to say that he was the top choice is a complete and utter farce. And people who know, know that. I think in our SEC message board culture, people know that. I found it to be a strange way to start your, your sort of campaign in Knoxville. And 
So it went from, hey, you got this amazing shark who's going to add you a lot of credibility to a really kind of clunky hire. And that's what I didn't expect. And Josh Heibel is the hire. So we'll continue the conversation. And coming up next, we'll talk about what needs to happen for Josh Heupel to have success, how that happens at Tennessee. We'll continue the conversation here on Locked on Vols. Today it is presented by betonline.ag, which is a great option if you are looking to get in on the action. You want to place a wager on a game. Whatever game we're talking about, whatever sport we're talking about, I promise you can find at betonline.ag. If you go to the website, you can go on your computer, you can go on your mobile device. They have so many different options for you. Click on the sports tab and you'll see, of course, the regulars, football basketball baseball golf is back remember you can bet on golf at betonline.ag martial arts soccer is always going on morning afternoons weekdays weekends whatever betonline.ag is where you go and of course they're gonna have player props for the big game coming up next weekend you can go to betonline.ag sign up today for a free account and use promo code locked on that's one word and you'll get a 50 percent Welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Go to betonline.ag, sign up, use promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So how does it work out for Josh Heupel to have success, whatever that would be defined as, but to, for it to work out yeah. for him and Danny White at, at Tennessee and change the, everything that you just said, change the way Tennessee is viewed, what's the roadmap for that for Josh Heupel at Tennessee? Well, going back to sort of like getting that celebrity-level coach or someone who just has a lot of sort of external communication gravitas, that's not him. That's another problem because now we don't really understand the situation yet. We, we've got a rough idea, but we don't understand exactly what Tennessee's up against. And it's going to be a big deal to parse that. It, it's going to be very hard to figure out, is this a five scholarship loss? Is this a 10 scholarship loss? Is it, if you're not familiar with these things, that, that's, that's, a, that's a notable swing. Okay, having covered what the NCAA has done to other schools in the past and just sort of how they operate, I think Tennessee wants to try and show fealty here and kind of fall on their sword a little bit by offering up, you know, Jeremy Pruitt, obviously, but maybe they, maybe even Philip Fulmer, who's probably not going to have an official administrative role again in his career, so they can kind of tout that to the NCAA. Like, we, you know, he's, he's banished without saying that. Um, if the NCAA decides to slap Tennessee harder, they have the ability to, they will. And that's going to then really reframe the question you asked about Heupel. Um, because it's going to be extremely difficult to take this roster and the system that I've seen him run at Central Florida to begin with. And then I think you, I mean, you have to exercise a level of patience as a Tennessee fan. If they get smacked by the NCAA, with this coaching staff to like your expectations are just going to have to be at a level in which 
it's not going to be good. When you know that telling fans, especially Tennessee fans, to be patient is often not easy to do. It goes so well. It goes so well. Um, that's the problem here, and that's the that's sort of the conundrum and the rut. And mm-hmm. feel free to shoot this messenger, but I think they got a stellar AD who then turned around and made a very Tennessee style hire, and that was the thing that I thought. My assumption was, and this is this was not as a reporter. My assumption as an observer was once they hired White, they did the best thing available. In fact, I was actually writing something. I was in the process of writing a completely different story when they when the White hire broke. Because for a little while there, I was, you know, I would get conflicting things. And I was, had been told at one point it's possible that they would hire, if they got that coach they wanted, quote unquote, Bay, they would do that before the AD. And I thought, oh, God, what a disastrous idea that would be. Because that inverts the power dynamic that you have with, between the AD and the coach. And I know a lot of people think that that would be a good thing for a coach because they see someone like Nick Saban in Alabama. That's not, that's not the case. Not the case. You should not do that. They, instead, they got white. And so, just by virtue of the fact that, like, I, I can't remember that there's a mathematical law to this. When you, you can only have repetition so many times, like if you flip a coin and it comes up heads or tails, heads or tails, Tennessee has flipped tails so many times, you kind of had to figure they would hit heads. And by putting themselves, I assume what Danny White gave them was better probability because he was a qualified candidate and he was aggressive. And the best part about Danny White, and this still holds true, is that he's not connected to any of the nonsense in Knoxville. He's not connected to the program, which is just, you know, metaphorically barfed all over itself consistently for the past 15, 20 years. So I thought, okay, here comes an adult in the room. And yet the hire, I think, I think the hire was a very stark wake up call for Danny as to the state of Tennessee athletics and of the programs that have won a national championship. If you throw in the BCS era and, and the playoff era, this is the one probably with the least amount of, of uh, appeal. I think that's fair to say now. So you think the coaching search brought a realization to Danny White of what kind of job he's taken on? Yes. Now, we can we can bridge into the optimist conversation here. Okay. It's not the problem is the optimist conversation is just going to involve a lot of medicine and that is it's going to take time. The first thing you have to do is understand your landscape with the NCAA as I've said before. Once you have that, I think you got to look at recruiting. The good news is this. He is an off. He, he's a he's a very good offensive play caller. His system will probably change between UCF and Tennessee. I'm not saying fundamentally. I'm just saying the way that it's been described to me by coaches is that he, it needs to wrinkle a little bit and advance. And I definitely think that he's capable of that. Okay, I don't think that they hired an idiot or anything like that. Um, it, there's uh, there's been a lot of UCF fans are very vocal on social media and. It's such a weird state of affairs where, like, he went twenty-eight and eight in Orlando, but because he didn't go, he didn't go undefeated, that was considered to be like a you know a decline for this G five AAC school. Um, he is a good coach. He's a good offensive coach. Recruiting. I mean, we've got to look at recruiting, right? That's got to be when we had this. The last time I was on your show in this conversation, fans want to look at like right now. You want to look and say, uh, Jeremy Pruitt, he's terrible. It's his fault. And then for a long time, it was all Butch Jones's fault, right? Remember that? Butch Jones was the reason that everything went wrong for the volunteers. Butch Jones now has the best record of any coach since Fulmer. Is that right, I believe? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Lane, Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, Jeremy Pruitt. I've lived in Nashville. This is my 15th year in the state of Tennessee. 
And I've been told for the for the past three or four years that everything was Butch Jones's fault. Okay, I don't think it's Butch Jones's fault. <laughs> I don't think it ever was. I don't know how much of this is Jeremy Pruitt's fault necessarily. I think there was a there is an internal rot here that has led to this result happening over and over again. Now, were was a guy like Pruitt the right hire? When you go back and think about. Jones getting fired, really losing cloud after that Hail Mary against Florida. If we want to trace this back and figure out when did Tennessee become sort of like this big giant, um, you know, giant neon no sign in the industry. When did they get this reputation? I think the way that it ended with Jones definitely didn't help. The Hail Mary with Florida swinging it. And then it was like the air. You were on the you were there, right? That, that season. Sure. Yeah. It was like the air was let out of everything, right? The air was just sort of let out of it. It was almost like Jones was was sort of resigned to his fate because he know he knew that he had lost the sort of myriad collection of different people who thought they were in power behind the scenes. And then they clipped Curry the way they did. And I think firing Curry has reverberated within the industry a lot. Having Phil Fulmer, you know, basically come in and, and put a crown on his own head and say, okay, now I'm king, that had a lot of negative blowback in the industry as well. That's why it was so important to hire Danny White. But sometime along then, in the in the Jones Curry and then swing over to Fulmer and that insane coaching cycle, that's when things started to fall apart reputation wise for Tennessee. They need to go back and rebuild that. Now, how do you do that? It's going to be hard. I think White has to make inroads privately. He has to be a good brand ambassador, and I think he will be. I think he'll be fearless. I think he will. He's the he's smart. He's fearless he will stand up to in those rooms and those meetings in Destin I don't know how often you talk about this kind of stuff on your show but like when all the ADs sit around he's he's a he's a hell of a man to have in a room on your behalf does that make sense absolutely that that's yeah that's going to be a good thing for the Vols the football side of it is there's just so many undetermined factors that I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm sitting here on the radio again in Knoxville saying, hey, guys, be patient. And that's just the last thing anybody wants. Yep, you're right, because I've said a lot, and I've gotten pushed back every time I preach patience. But uh, here we are again. Well, uh, if, if we've said it all, say so. But is there anything else that I missed or that you would add to this conversation around Tennessee? Yeah, I think the last time I was on the show, we talked about that the, uh, one of the reputations, other than, like, everybody's got crazy boosters, right? If you're old enough. And I know I am. I remember when Alabama was a laughing stock. It was like in my adult life, and I'm not that old. <laughs> like, it's not, this isn't a disease specific to Appalachia and East Tennessee. And I need volunteer fans to understand that. The problem here is I think that they need to look, they need, really need to look at the system that they have in recruitment and development of personnel. Because it was probably not a large enough sample size to judge Kiffin because he was just there so quickly and he was gone. But one of the things you look at at Tennessee specifically, and I don't know, is this a product of the state of Tennessee not having as much natural talent? Is it something to do in Knoxville? Is it something the way the program is set up? But they don't tend to improve guys to the level of which they should. What they tend to do are have five stars that go bust or guys who aren't utilized correctly until they leave. And I know everybody wants to talk about Kamara, but Kamara, I think Kamara was also a victim of Kamara. Like there was a lot of, you know, that was a clash internally for him. But but there's a lot of those stories at Tennessee. So if I were to look at one thing other than the NCAA mess and like, hey, you know, Josh Heifel needs to recruit, personnel development at Tennessee just has to change. It just, 
it, it's so consistently inconsistent. That's that's what I hear a, a lot in the industry. And so they they got to get better at making. I'm going to be honest with you. Right now in 2021, Tennessee needs to be the program that takes the the three stars and makes them four stars, and and the two stars and makes them four stars. And I know that's not what you want to hear. You want to be all feels like 98, but that's the reality of the program. Ironically, Dan Mullen would be wildly successful in Tennessee because that's what he does best. I couldn't agree more. Go read his work, bannersociety.com. Always enjoy it. He's on Twitter, at 38GodfreeSteven. GodfreeSteven, thank you for all the time. Uh, Again, I appreciate it as always. Yes, sir. As we mentioned there, patience is not what fans want to hear, and that doesn't mean long-term you shouldn't have high expectations. It's just going to take some time, which I think I've seen just about everybody say with the hires. So I know I'm not coming up with a unique take by saying this is going to take some time. Coming up next here on Locked on Vols, we'll shift to basketball. Tennessee has a big game coming up Saturday at home against Kansas. I'm going to talk about it with Grant Ramey of GoVols247.com. Right here on Locked on Vols, today's show is presented by BuiltBar.com. I grabbed one in the middle of the afternoon on Thursday. This has been a busy week. The last couple of weeks have been busy with everything going on with the coaching search and we're covering everything and uh, doing the radio show in the middle of the day. And I'm doing the show from home. I'm able to run downstairs, grab a built bar, run back upstairs. It's so convenient. If you're working from home, if you're on the go, whatever the case is, grabbing a built bar makes everything so much easier. Perfect to grab in the middle of the morning or afternoon if you need a snack. If you don't have time to make breakfast, but you know you need to eat something, grab a built bar. So many different flavors. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. The flavors include nut and non-nut flavors, and importantly, they are healthy options. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. An example, the Coconut Almond Bar, 18 grams of protein, only 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. I want to welcome to the show Grant Ramey from GoVols247.com covering Tennessee basketball and everything that's going on with Tennessee athletics. Grant, I appreciate the time as always. Since we last spoke, Tennessee had the loss to Missouri and then the win against Mississippi State. It was a tight one down to the end. But uh, out of those two games, what do you make of what you saw with the the loss against Mizzou, the win over Mississippi State? Uh, the loss against Mizzou, man, when this defense isn't at its best, and the offense struggles to score the way it's been known to struggle to score. It's a, it's a pretty ugly product. And, and Xavier Pinson went off for Missouri, uh, and Drew Smith as well went off. Those are two guards that combined for probably close to 40 points. That's not going to happen very often. Uh, they did Tennessee didn't have Jaden Springer. Obviously, when they don't have him, they struggle. Uh, and it was a tough loss against a pretty decent Missouri team that's gotten a lot better in the last three weeks since Tennessee played them at Missouri. Then coming back against Mississippi State Tuesday night, you get Jaden Springer back. And it was really good at times. It was really bad at times. Um, but an ugly win and finding a way to win in crunch time and, and being a possession game late the way it was, uh, an ugly win is better than a pretty loss. So you hope you can spin that forward if you're Tennessee and, and find some, a little bit of momentum going into the weekend. Obviously a big one with Kansas coming up in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Uh, I thought it was impressive the way Jaden Springer uh, – it looks like he hobbled a little bit in the first half when they first put him in, but he was productive from the second he was in there. Um, and then both him and Keon Johnson made a lot of winning plays down the stretch. So those two were impressive, and, and we'll see if Tennessee can build on that. Grant, what should we make of another not-so-great shooting night, 3 of 19 behind the three-point line against Mississippi State? It's not the first time that Tennessee's shot poorly, and uh, obviously that's an important aspect. What do you make of it as you saw it again Tuesday? 
I mean, it is kind of just what this team is. They're not a great shooting team. They're not going to be a consistently good shooting team. They're going to probably run streaky, and, and you know, one night somebody's going to be on, other nights they're going to be off. I think Victor Bailey is a better scorer than he's been the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think he, he's more – he's closer to what he was in the first couple of weeks of the season when he was uh, pretty impressive hitting shots and finding ways to score than he, what he's been the last couple of weeks where he's really struggled. I think Santiago Viscovi – uh, he had a couple threes against uh, Mississippi State Tuesday night. It looked a little bit better for him. He's obviously struggled since taking that shot on the hip against Florida. Hadn't been shooting it well the last couple nights after that. So to see him make a couple, maybe they get back on track. I, I don't think they're the worst shots in the world. Um, they could they could use go without the extra pass, I guess. Um, they, they get so pass happy on some possessions that they pass up some pretty good looks at it to try to get a better look at it. So uh, at some point, maybe they start falling, but I think it is kind of what this team is. What do you think about this matchup with Kansas coming to town this weekend? And full disclosure, we're recording the conversation before Kansas uh, versus TCU on Thursday night, but the Jayhawks coming to town this weekend. Uh, it, it's a fun game. It's it's a fun series. Uh, this is the third time these two have met in three seasons. Um, you go back to New York in 2018, that game in overtime in the preseason in IT, Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield. Uh, you go back to Kansas last year with Adoke, or however you say his name, uh, and Devin Dotson and Eve Ponds went off that game. Tennessee was off like seven early. Uh, Kansas, you know, rallied, had a seven-point lead at halftime. It was a pretty close game uh, in the second half, probably one of the best games Tennessee had uh, last year in a season kind of full of struggles. That was kind of one of their bright spots. So it, it's going to be fun for them to renew that a uh, little bit of a rivalry here recently. Um, it's it's kind of depressing that it can't be in front of a, a capacity crowd in a full house. It just kind of is what it is. Uh, but in terms of the Big 12 SEC matchups, this is one of the more fun ones. Yeah, McCormack, how big of a deal is that? They saw Tillman just last week. He's a big player. Uh, David McCormack's really good for Kansas. Yeah, and and he's going to go up against John Fulkerson, who's really been struggling the last couple weeks, can't really get out of this slump that he's in. And and Fulkerson's a guy that if Tennessee is going to be the team that it wants to be, if if they can – if they're going to try to be elite, like they looked elite a little bit early in the season a couple of times. If they're going to get back to that, they're going to, have to get back to John Fulkerson being somebody that they can rely on. He can't just hang out in the paint and get pushed around by a bigger guy. He's going to have to be a guy that's active, moving, running, cutting, getting open, trying to find different ways to score. He's got to be the guy he was the last two, three weeks of last season when he was really carrying this team. He can't, he can't disappear. He can't get in foul trouble. Uh, you can't look up in the second half and wonder where he's been, how he's He's just scoring his first points, you know, midway through the second half like he did against Missouri uh, on Saturday. So they're going to have to start winning some battles in the paint, uh, and it's going to be a big test Saturday against Kansas. Hey, Grant, you've been covering this Tennessee basketball team the last several years. You've seen some teams go on runs. Uh, You also cover Tennessee football. What is the day-to-day conversation like covering basketball, which is a a marathon of a season as compared to football, in terms of keeping perspective, not overreacting, good or bad, uh, with stretch runs to try to figure out what a team is going to be like over the course of a season? Yeah, I mean, obviously, a a Tennessee fan base is focused on football, so you're a little bit more caught up in the game-by-game results and and what happens, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a loss can be pretty catastrophic for your season. In basketball, you know, it it kind of is what it is. That 2018-19 team uh, that Tennessee had that won 31 games, uh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm talking about the 2017-18 team that that had a share of the SEC title, they went to Alabama and lost by 28, really got run out of the gym. Greg Barnes benches his starters in the second half. I mean, it's really ugly. Mm-hmm. And then that team kind of goes on a run, and, the, and they win a conference title, uh, and they go to the SEC championship game, and they're a number three seed in the NCAA tournament. There's up and downs of that, you know, that 18-19 team that won 31 games. They 
you know, they won 19 games in a row and they're the number one team in the country. Then they went to Rupp and they got kind of run out of that building by Kentucky, a really good Kentucky team. A couple weeks later, they beat Kentucky uh, in Knoxville. They went back to the SEC title game. They were a number two seed uh, in the NCAA tournament. So there's there's highs and there's lows. If you're an Alabama fan you're right now, you're wondering, is my team peaking too early? Um, if you're a Tennessee fan right now, you're wondering, is this what this Tennessee team is going to be the rest of the season? Um, but it's kind of usually somewhere in between. You're not as good as you look at your best. You're not as bad as you look at your worst. It's, it's about where you find that medium uh, and how consistently you can play that way. Uh, that's going to determine kind of what you're going to be in March. It depends on how you, I guess, survive these up and downs along the way. Yeah, totally agree. Hey, last thing I'll get you out of here, Grant Ramey, Govals247.com. What have you thought of what you've seen from Santiago Vescovi recently as he's dealt with that hip issue, he's had some struggles on the court? Where are things with Vescovi? I, I thought he looked a lot better uh, against Mississippi State Tuesday night. Uh, obviously, he's not the quickest athlete in the world, uh, and, and that hip injury slowed him down. Uh, slowed down his lateral movement too. Uh, that led to some turnovers and, and some ugly possessions um, against Missouri uh, and in the second half at Florida. So I think he struggled a lot with that pain, but I think he looked a lot better, a lot more like himself uh, against Mississippi State. Seeing a couple three-pointers go down for him, I think that was big for him uh, moving forward. And, and if they can get what they got out of Jaden Springer and Santiago Vescovi, the two guys that have been kind of battling health-wise, uh, if they can get what they had out of him moving forward, both of those guys I think they'll be a lot better basketball team. Tennessee, Kansas on Saturday. It's a big one in basketball. Grant Ramey will have you covered. Read his coverage there at GoVols247.com. They've obviously been keeping track of what's going on with Tennessee football here as well. GoVols247.com to read the coverage. Grant, thank you for the time as always. Thanks, Josh. Tennessee and Kansas will tip off at 6 o'clock Eastern time Saturday evening. It's going to be at Thompson Bowling Arena. The game will be on ESPN. So it's a big one between the Vols and the Jayhawks in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. A lot is happening right now with Tennessee as the Josh Heupel era begins. We'll continue to monitor what's going on with the coaching staff, the roster, transfers, recruiting, all of that, Tennessee basketball as well. Today's show was a longer one. Again, Thursday and Friday episodes this week were a little bit longer than normal because there's just so much going on and still so much to talk about. So Locked On Vols will be back on Monday to cover what's going on with Tennessee. Thank you for being here today. Thanks to everybody who has spread the word about the show. Welcome new listeners who might be checking out Locked On Vols for the first time. It's a daily show here five days a week, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks again for being here. I'll see you Monday on Locked on Vols.